Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast, where we create conversation and community among real people about everyday issues. This is a place for you to hear truth, connect with others, and find answers to your questions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Real Talk. We are excited to have you here today with us. We are two weeks away from our Global Impact Celebration, and we're excited about the fact that for the month of October, we're going to be having discussions, asking questions, and interviewing people all around the subject of missions and evangelism. And before we get started, I just want to remind you all that um, we would encourage you to like, subscribe, follow, and uh, share the content that we have here on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, That way, not only will our future content show up on your feed, but it will help expand our reach into the lives of others that are currently not watching us. So thank you for partnering with us on that. Uh, One other thing, here in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to have an opportunity to interview uh, the president president of the International Mission Board, uh, Dr. Paul Chitwood, and uh, we're excited to have him with us. He's actually going to be kicking off our Global Impact Celebration that Wednesday night, so we thought it would be good to interview him, give you an opportunity to get to know him on a personal level, his testimony, and his calling into missions as well. So we're, we're excited to be able to do that. Uh, today, we have invited on Steve and Patty. Uh, many of you guys already know them. Uh, last name is Ellis, and uh, uh, many of you have already heard that Steve has stepped into the role of our missions pastor, but we thought today it would be good for you to get to know them on a personal level, a little bit of their background, their calling into missions. And so we're excited to have you guys onto the show today. Thank you for coming. It's very good to be here. Yeah, just a, a little bit of an overview uh, for you guys. How long have you guys been married, by the way? 37 years. 37 years. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. That's wonderful. And uh, from what I remember, you have four girls, right? That's correct. And they're grown up now and they're married. Uh, 12 grandchildren. Is that right? right? That's right. That's right. 12 grandchildren. Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's exciting. And uh, most of your ministry experience, although you did serve here in the States some, but most of it has been overseas through the International Mission Board. Mm -hmm. How many years did you guys spend as missionaries overseas? We served for 27 years. 27 years. That's longer than I thought. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And how many different countries did you live in? Uh, three different countries. Three diff- and all of them in East Asia? And uh, Southeast, Southeast Asia. Asia, yeah, Cambodia, Thailand, and in East Asia, we lived in Taiwan. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, when I heard that you guys were coming on staff, I was so excited. Uh, the wealth of, of experience and knowledge mm. that you guys have and what that brings to our team is such a neat thing. So we're excited to have you here. And uh, I know I've told you this a couple of times, but um, but I, I love missions. I, I only spent two years overseas, but have always had a heart mm. for that. And then just with church planting as well. And so I've told others that I want to become Steve's best friend. I want to help partner <laughs> with him and what God's going to be doing. So, mm. so grateful to have you guys here. Uh, with that, I want to delve a little bit uh, in y'all's story. So I want to back up a little bit uh, before you were called mm-hmm. into missions. And Patty, I'm going to start with you okay. uh, just to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, born and raised there for most Actually, of your childhood? Actually, I was born in Hope and okay. uh, raised in Texas. Awesome. So Arkansas at heart. <laughs> yeah. Are you, so you're a Razorback fan. You were rooting for the Razorbacks uh, or? We're Sooner fans. Sorry. Oh man. Okay. That's all right. We still love you. 
There's a couple of people that are cheering for you. I know that uh, we got a couple of Sooners fans here in our church too. And so what about your faith background? Where Did you grow up in a Christian home? Were you guys active in church growing up? What was, what was I did like? not have the privilege of growing up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. but God always gave me friends who took me to church. Yeah. And one of the, they took me to Sunday school. They, but one of the classes they did take me to was GAs, and that's where I first started memorizing Scripture and awesome. learning about missionaries. Even before I clearly heard the gospel, I was already doing these things that's that a, were somewhat missions, um, yeah. had a missions tent to it there. Yeah. yeah. I was in RAs. Were you in RAs? I was did, not. did not have the joy mm. doing that. Yeah, RAs and GAs were awesome. We did do a lot of good stuff there and learned about missions. Uh, was there a, a, a season or a time in your life growing up that you felt like that maybe God was calling to missions before you guys met, or was that something that happened later on? No, I uh, became a believer at the age of 13, okay. but I did not have a lot of influence from home or any discipleship. But when yeah. I went to college, God put people in my life who began to disciple me. Mm-hmm. And part of this discipleship program was to read missionary biographies. And it was through these biographies, specifically through God's smuggler about Brother Andrew's life, that God mm-hmm. spoke very clearly to me that this is what he wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Then he later began to affirm it through his word and yeah. through wise counsel of people that he put mm-hmm. uh, in my life. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I think my story is similar in that way, just reading some of the those stories of missionaries going overseas and the sacrifices that they made and the way that God worked. Uh, Steve, how about you? Where did you grow up? I grew up right across uh, the border in southwest Missouri in a little Mm -hmm. town called Anderson. And uh, I, too, didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I didn't even hear the gospel until I was 18 years of age. Wow. Uh, And once uh, hearing it, you know, my life was just miserably wrecked and Mm -hmm. Uh, about two weeks uh, after hearing the gospel, I made a decision to become a follower of Christ. Okay. So did you start getting plugged into church when you were a teenager and that's where you heard the gospel or when did you first hear the gospel? Was it like at an Easter service or? You know, I, I, I had uh, one set of Christian grandparents mm-hmm. and, you know, I'd go to church with them on occasion and, and, and there were other times of the year that I would go to church, but mm-hmm. I can't say at any of those intervals I ever heard or understood the gospel. So. Yeah. Uh, actually, I heard the gospel the first time in Rogers, Arkansas, of all places, wow. uh, right here. And uh, it was at a youth event at a, 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 um, a skating rink. Mm-hmm. And it was my best friend's sister, who is a pastor's wife from Oklahoma, shared the wow. gospel with me. That is awesome. Yeah. So you have come full circle. Full circle. You're back to your spiritual birthplace That's right, right here. That's, That's right. so cool. That's awesome. So uh, you came to Christ when you were 18. Was there a moment... Uh, in your teenage years or college years before you actually went overseas that maybe you were sensing God was calling you into mission work? Well, about a couple months into my uh, just Christian faith, mm-hmm. I was invited to go over uh, with uh, a few others from Missouri to go to False Creek uh, mm-hmm. Baptist Assembly in yeah. Davis, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So we went with this church uh, in McAllister, Oklahoma, and just had a wonderful experience there. And I would just say... Uh, I just felt God began to, to speak to my heart, and I really didn't really know how to interpret that. So I sought some counsel through uh, some of the pastors uh, there mm-hmm. at the church. And yeah. about four nights into it, I, I kind of sensed that the Lord was calling me into the ministry. Yeah. And so uh, I went forward, made that decision public, came back and told 
my home church and uh, told my family. And within a couple of weeks, I went to Dallas, Texas, uh, where I was checking out a school about possibly going to prepare for the ministry and since the Lord leading that way. But it was at that school uh, that I early got exposed to missions. Uh, And it was kind of similar. It was through reading Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret was uh, kind of the first kind of spiritual kind of push for me to think about Mm. going overseas as a a missionary. That is cool. That's Mm. cool. Uh, so how did your parents respond if, uh, you know, not growing up in a Christian home or maybe it was, you know, was, were they excited for you or were they a little concerned about the idea of you becoming potentially a pastor or going mm-hmm. to ministry? What, how was that? Well, I mean, there was no member of my immediate family that were Christians. And yeah. so, no, I didn't have really any support whatsoever, you know, right. when I made that decision. Uh, but I know that I was very committed, you know, just to praying for my my parents and siblings and extended family, uh, uh, for them to be saved. And on every occasion I came back this way, I shared with them. Yeah. And uh, it was my younger sister, my stepmother, then my father, about five years into my Christian faith, yeah. they came to faith. And then my oh, mother, yeah. about 12 years later, my older sister, 27 years later. And so... <sighs> Many more members of my family are now followers of Christ. That so, is exciting. Yeah. That is, you know, I hear more and more stories like that. I grew mm-hmm. up in a Christian home. I mean, I was probably in church by the time I was, you know, before I was a month old. Right. Um, I, and so it's it's always neat to hear of individuals where they were the first. They were yeah. the first generation of mm-hmm. Christianity, at least in their home for a while, in their immediate family. And so... Uh, that's exciting to hear and that God brought you two together. So you guys, did you meet in college? Patty, tell me a little bit about where you guys met and and it, was it love at first sight when you met Steve? Well, we met at Criswell Bible College okay, there yeah. in Dallas. And uh, I'm not sure it was ever love at first sight, but we were in a study group together. We mm-hmm. studied Hebrew. and Wow, that is a Bible study. I right had there. taken a mission trip with one of his roommates, and mm-hmm. it was through that relationship that we got to know each other more as friends for, yeah. for a couple of years before we really heard God speaking to us about mm. um, getting married and coming yeah. together and going to the field mm-hmm. together. Yeah, so I'm sure that your uh, your faith and your walk with God at the moment probably drew you guys together. You saw commonality in in that value of following the Lord, right? We did. Steve had not yet felt a specific call to missions, and so yeah. I kind of held back a little bit. Yeah. He wasn't sure if the Lord was calling him yeah. to the pastor or to missions, and so I held back a little bit until yeah. he had that same um, yeah. same call that I had that mm. brought us together in unity. That is so yeah, cool. I think that for me, I mean, we, I went to kind of a preacher school. It was known mm-hmm. as a preacher school, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't real clear in terms of the Lord wanted me to go into the pastorate or youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't really as such just thinking uh, missions mm-hmm. at that, that, that moment. But two years into my time there at school, I went on my first overseas trip to Brazil, and it was actually there mm-hmm. uh, that the Lord very clearly spoke to me and called me into to long-term missions. Mm, that's awesome. I know that I've heard this piece of advice uh, given, and I heard this probably first when I was younger, and I've, I've shared it with others, that you know, if you're, you're looking for a potential uh, life partner, you know, a husband or a wife one day, 
just run the Christian race and look mm-hmm. to your left and right and see who's running alongside. And those are potential people. And it sounds like that in some way, God did that for you guys. You were running uh, mm-hmm. your own race with God and, uh, and God drew you guys together. So, so that's really cool. Um, so what were the exact circumstances around your calling into missions specifically? It sounds like you both uh, had a calling and a, and a mm-hmm. separately, but maybe touch on just real quick, quickly your calling into missions. And then I, you've alluded to it, but I haven't heard clearly about yours okay. either. So, Well, uh, I was on this uh, overseas trip to Brazil, and we were working in uh, a little place called Limeda, and we were working to do plant a church uh, with kind of the mother church in the city. And uh, so we had gone, and we were just sharing the gospel. Um, you know, we had learned our testimony like in, in, in Portuguese and wow. had learned some questions to kind of enter into spiritual conversation mm-hmm. with people there. But uh, one particular day, uh, I, I had gone out, and we had two kind of scheduled visits to meet with uh, two different people. One was with a, an 80-plus-year-old grandpa. Uh, every member of the family were, were, were saved except for him. And uh, I went and I shared my story and I shared God's story. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I asked him if he wanted to become a follower of Jesus, and he said he did. And so yeah. he prayed to receive Christ. So uh, I had been the first time that I had you know, been... Mm-hmm used by God to lead somebody at that particular age to faith. And so, you know, I was just on a spiritual high. Well, I go from there to this second home uh, that had been on our schedule, and it was a home of a family of four. uh, And, uh, you know, we stood outside, we clapped our hands like they do in Brazil, and people come to the outside, and they invite Mm -hmm. us in to sit in the yard. And once again, I shared my story, and I shared God's story. And at the very end, you know, the, the dad said, I mean, this is the greatest you know, message that we have yeah. ever, ever heard. Mm. You know, if you've had this message for so long, why is it taking you so long to get here? And, you know, yeah. it just really burdened my my heart. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he said, hey, would you wait here and let me go get my brother and his family? Uh, and would you tell them the story? And he came back about 30 minutes later, shared, and the brother, his wife, and his two kids came to faith that day. So mm. that evening, I was back in the hotel room just praying and just kind of thinking about all the great things that God had done that day. And I, I just remember, uh, as I was praying, uh, I just said this one statement, mm-hmm. Lord, I would gladly do this the rest of my life. Yeah. And when I made that statement, it's as if God's presence just filled the room. And I heard in that still small voice, this is what I prepared for you to do. Wow. Yeah. You know, we, we don't realize that sometimes as Americans, you know, over here sometimes we struggle with the fact that, Churches can be asleep sometimes, and we don't see the urgency. And when we see what God's doing around the world, there's a party going on in some countries around the world where mm-hmm. a great movement of God is happening. And mm-hmm. when you get to see what's happening over there, it, it blows your mind. That's right. And uh, and so you guys have seen some of that, mm-hmm. and, and God used that into in your life as well. Patty, how about you? Give us a little background of your calling and admissions. It sounds like it happened before you guys met. And uh, so tell me a little bit about your... My calling was probably around the age of 19 or 20. And unlike Steve's, who felt he heard one specific word from God, I think mine was more of a process. Mm -hmm. First, as I began to read these missionary biographies and my mind was going there, Mm -hmm. then I learned of the 1040 window, which gave my heart a great burden that there were actually people 
who didn't have access to God's word or didn't yeah. have access to the gospel or mm-hmm. could not gather together to worship. Those are the first things that begin to prick my heart. Then God just gently started speaking to me through scripture. Mm. He spoke to me through a dream that I had. Mm. He uh, spoke to me through people around me. Mm. And when I would have fears, which when you think about closed countries, there yeah. are some yeah. fears for a young disciple. Yeah. And I just begin to pray Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust mm. in the Lord with yeah. all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Mm. And that has just become my life first because mm. it really has led me through the fears mm. of what God had called me to do and led me through each step of the way of the difficult things that God has walked me through. That is awesome. You said a couple of things in there that I'm going to come back to here in a minute. You know, you touched on some great elements of calling into Mm. ministry. And so uh, I look forward to having that discussion here in a moment. Patty, I want to direct this one to you before I ask Steve the same question. Um, But as a a wife, as a mom, as a fellow co-laborer of the gospel with Steve, Uh, what are some of the highlights and memories that you'll forever hold on to and remember with your years overseas? You know, what when you think back to to those times, mm-hmm. what is it that uh, that comes to your mind first that, you know, kind of the high points of, of your ministry overseas? I think some of my high points mm-hmm. were in Cambodia when we actually served as a family and we were doing some basic church planting Mm -hmm. and we were equipping locals to do the church Mm -hmm. planting we had many opportunities to serve as a family and to incorporate our children into our ministry and those are some of the sweetest times we had a ministry um, at a temple grounds where we steve shared bible studies with handicaps the handicaps Mm -hmm. often lived on the grounds there at the temple because they were homeless and our children would serve food for them Mm. And they would clean it up afterwards. Wow. Or just having mm. our children uh, as teenagers, Steve taught them to do ethnographic research and sent them out into villages with volunteers. That's awesome. And they would do the wow. research, come back and type up a report for dad. Wow. Or we they did ESL camps with yeah. us. They just did a, um, a large variety of different types of ministry mm. and I'm just grateful that our family was able to serve together. That is really cool. Um, There's a beautiful aspect. I'm sure as people are listening to this, you know, it's really easy to, in some ways, to glamorize what missionary work is. Mm -hmm. And because you you hear the fruit, uh, you you hear the neat experiences that you probably wouldn't have if you if you live life a different way or stayed here in the states. Um, what were some of the the challenges or some of the hardships that come along with it? Because there are a lot of highs when you mm-hmm. when you're doing that type of work, but there's also some lows and there's some hardships. Uh, what were some of uh, what were some of those for for you guys that might be unique mm-hmm. uh, within your family? I think for us was the physical health mm-hmm. and the sickness that we experienced there okay. in Cambodia. Our oldest daughter, especially 
was ill basically for the first three years that we lived there. Mm. Our family experienced things like typhoid fever, dengue fever. We had dysentery. We had many different uh, physical Mm. things that discouraged us and really immobilized us for periods. We also had a violent political coup in 1997. Steve just happened to be out of the country when the girls and I experienced this. So we had five days there with 30 volunteers from Oklahoma all living in our home with us while we had two days of heavy shelling and then days that followed of political violence. And so there, there were many hardships, but it was during this time that God's word was our sustaining power. Yeah. So even, even in some of the low moments or uncertain moments, it's also in some a weird way, a good memory of God being faithful and showing up during yes, that time. Yes, very much so. Um, you know, I'm always I'm a little hesitant to ask this question because I know that our callings are powerful and uh, and we hold on to them. But sometimes our kids can struggle with those things mm. um, because you know they're they're coming and they're experiencing because mom and dad. Uh, feel led into this. And so uh, I know that there's probably some hardships, you know, that the kids go through and they had high and low moments, but um, what is it like maybe just for the typical missionary kid? What are some of the, uh, there's obviously the benefits of just seeing, um, seeing life lived a different way than maybe the typical American, seeing God work and everything else, but there's also struggles and Mm -hmm. things as well. And you've named some of them, but you know, uh, what's life like for the typical missionary kid, just in general, if you were to share that with the audience? Um, mm. Yeah. I think it looks different for every missionary kid, depending yeah. whether you live rural or whether you live in a city or whether yeah. you work in an open context or you work in a closed context. For us, yeah. uh, I think there were great benefits for our children. One, because Steve's uh, role had us traveling a lot, so our children were able to travel to many different countries, experience and see many different cultures, and and be participants in a lot of the work there. Um, So what do you think some of their more highlights? I'm trying to think what they would think their highlights were. Well, I just think being able to live cross-culturally, yeah. learn, mm-hmm. learning learning different Le- languages yes. obviously yes. has its benefits. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, we have three of our four kids that are in ministry, in, yep. you know, mm-hmm. today, resulting, mm-hmm. I think, from our overseas work. And so that's something that we treasure. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. even one of our children that has uh, actually gone and are serving overseas as international missionaries as well. And so mm-hmm. those are definite, you know, benefits mm-hmm. that we can look back on yeah. that uh, much of their upbringing and the way that we really shape them for service, I think has mm-hmm. been, you know, in, in, instrumental in who they are today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is mm-hmm. great. Uh, so I'll ask you the same question. What are some of the highlights as you look back over your years serving overseas, serving with the IMB, you know, what stands out to you? What do you remember most? Well, we always kind of break it up into three kind of parts uh, and all. We mm-hmm. had our kind of Cambodia time when we were doing frontline ministry and our Thailand time when we were doing broader oversight and leadership for kind of the Buddhist animus sector of Southeast Asia and then our time in East Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cambodia-wise, by far, I mean, just because of our ability to really do more frontline ministry and really investing in lots mm-hmm. of national partners and really mm-hmm. helping to, to really fuel and fan the flame of just church planting. Mm -hmm. Uh, That 
was a great highlight. I mean, yeah. I look back over just the faces of just men and women that we really mm-hmm. mentored and, and really mm-hmm. trained up for ministry and mm-hmm. to see that many of those people are still in ministry today. And mm-hmm. we saw, I mean, just in our time there, that six years, we saw about 300 churches planted and about 27,000 believers in Cambodia. That's amazing. Uh, just That's because, exciting. you know, we were really intentionally focused on trying to multiply men and women for mm-hmm. ministry because mm-hmm. we need more and more witnesses more and more kind of apostolic kinds of workers to really mm-hmm. engage in the work as we push the gospel and the church to places that didn't exist. So that was part of it. All of our time in Thailand, I think the big thing I would say is just really investing in really national missionaries. And so mm-hmm. uh, we had training that we would do to really equip them to really kind of serve as a national strategy coordinator. Yep. And we did that all throughout Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And so being able to work with uh, the nation, so to speak, in that yeah. part of the world to really equip them to really take the lead in developing and implementing mm-hmm. strategies to reach all of these unengaged, unreached peoples. Yeah. Awesome. You know, mm-hmm. and then I would say highlight in East Asia. I mean, uh, really, uh, it's amazing to see what God mm-hmm. really did during that time frame. Yeah. I mean, just today, this morning, we were mm-hmm. kind of recapping uh, in a uh, call, in a closing ceremony uh, for our East Asia work, because mm-hmm. beginning tomorrow, they move into a completely new affinity on the field. Wow. And, and and part of it was just celebrating nearly 1.7 million believers just since 2008 in that particular mm-hmm. area, 1.4 million baptisms, you know, in that area. And I mean, wow. tens of thousands of churches. That's great. But The greater part of it is just those that we've left behind. Mm -hmm. I mean, many of those places, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been closed out from Mm -hmm. continuing to engage some of those countries and knowing that we've invested deeply in nationals that can really carry that baton. Mm -hmm. uh, That's the joy, you know, and seeing more of them really get on board and embrace the missionary task for themselves. And now they've developed their own kind of indigenous Mm -hmm. missionary movements, sending agencies where they're now becoming a part of the global mission force. Mm. Exciting. That Exciting. is cool. That's yeah. awesome. Um, I'm going to go back to the topic of calling. Um, and the reason why I want to bring this up uh, in the area of church planning in the United States, uh, on the front end of receiving couples coming in and they're wrestling with their own calling into church planning, when we would do an assessment of a couple or an individual um, that wanted to come and plant a church in Colorado, the number one thing we were looking at was was calling. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we were ignoring other areas, but you know, for instance, we could have a couple come in and they had great experience, uh, good fruit in their ministry, a lot of things that um, that you might look at and say, man, this this young couple's you know, incredible. They've done some great things. And, um, but if we didn't, uh, if we didn't see or sense a clear calling to plant churches, then, uh, we wouldn't move forward until, until we had greater clarity in that. And the reason is because there were, there are seasons and times in a, in a church plant and and for in the life of that young couple that it was going to be hard Mm -hmm. and it would be so much easier to walk away than to stay and grind it out. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was really important for us. And so, um, and every ministry looks a little bit different in that way, but, um, but it helped me to really 
I guess, in what to look for when I'm listening to a story. You know, Patty, as you were unpacking your calling, I'm just like, check, check, check. I was hearing some things. So I want to ask you guys both both a question. Um, you know, a young couple or a couple that's wrestling with a calling into ministry or calling into missions, um, you know, how do you know God's will? You know, how do you really know? What are you looking for as you're trying to make a step of faith? Are there things that you're looking for in your own life that you can check off and say, okay, I think I think this is really what God's wanting in my life? Uh, how would you answer that? What do you look for in your own personal life? What did you look for as you were making a transition from one area of ministry and missions to another? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would just say the three things that I always look for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in uh really understanding uh, God's call or God's will for my mm-hmm. life. And I, I always kind of call it kind of the three witnesses and the first witness, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that establishes, you know, that, that sense of just God's call and God's will upon your life. One is just getting a clear word from the Lord. Yeah. So I yeah. could say at every uh, major, mm-hmm. you know, intersection, you know, in my life where mm-hmm. I was wrestling, you know, with, uh, just obedience, you know, as a disciple mm-hmm. of Christ, you know, do I yeah. follow this path? Do I go this direction? I, I mean, I would spend great lengths of time, yeah. you know, sitting before God mm-hmm. and, and just with the word open and, and a journal and a pen in my hand, just trying mm-hmm. to capture what God was trying to say to my heart. Because yeah. I knew that obviously when the the hard times, when the difficult times, the hardships, the struggles mm-hmm came, yeah. it's mm-hmm. only that call that was going to sustain me. And mm-hmm. I had to look back that right. this is what God's word said. And for me, Amen. I mean, I can still today look back sitting there in Lameda in that hotel room, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, a little Novotel hotel there. Yeah. And it was Jeremiah one five. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, you know, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yeah. Uh, before you were born, I consecrated you. Yeah. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Mm. That's exactly what I heard and what God really mm. put in my heart. Yeah. And uh, and I'll say, much like Jeremiah, I mean, I I had some excuses too. You know, I'm 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 youthful. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to speak. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was really smart. You know, in 1978 to drop out of Spanish after two weeks because I thought <laughs> there's no way in the world I'm ever going to need this language in Southwest uh, Missouri. That's funny. And today, <laughs> look, I mean, it's like that was a, a foolish decision on my part. <laughs> but I did have that fear. Can I learn another language? You know, mm. can I live among these people? Can I yeah. learn to embrace this culture as my home? You know, right. these kinds of things. So a word from the Lord. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. And then I would say everything else just really confirms what God has said in his word. And so, yes, mm-hmm. I seek godly counsel. You know, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. people that I really trust, uh, you know, and respect in in leadership uh, that I consult with mm-hmm. and just ask, would you please join, you know, me in praying for this mm-hmm. particular thing? And if yeah. God gives you a word, would you, t- would you tell me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'll say sometimes it's been people I've approached, but there have been times in my life when people didn't even know that I was wrestling with something that yeah. God had given people a, a yeah. I mean, almost like a prophetic word. Right. I, you know, I just feel like I have this to share with you and it, mm-hmm. and it validated and confirmed what God had said through his word. And, yep. and then the last thing I would say is that most typically uh, when God has revealed his will through his word, mm-hmm. he will use 
I say providential circumstances. Yeah. I mean, there's circumstances and situations that will transpire mm-hmm. that just kind of uh, reinforce and, and just add additional weight to what God had said. And it confirms yeah. that this is the direction. And so that's what I hold on to and what mm-hmm. I've claimed to, you know, when we've had violent coups and when we've had yeah. earthquakes and tsunamis mm-hmm. and, and we've mm-hmm. had uh, radical, you know, uh, turnovers in political situations, you know, where we're laboring. And uh, it, it, when we've had major, major health concerns where we felt like the, it would be these issues that would lead us off the field. Right. Uh, when things are just out of your control, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you just look back mm-hmm. to the word that God has given you and his yeah. promise. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So what I heard you say was a word from God. And that's through your time in his word, mm-hmm. through your prayer life, mm-hmm. but you're seeking a word from God and asking for him to speak to you in yes. that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's important. Yeah. The, uh, the other one that you shared is just affirmation from others, whether it's a word of encouragement or maybe, like you said, some kind of, some kind of prophetic, uh, you know, blessing of, I feel like the Lord's, you know, told me to tell you this, so mm-hmm. affirmation from others. Is something, mm-hmm. and then the third one you said was circumstances. Circumstances, yeah. God using circumstances in your life, yeah. Man, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good stuff. If you guys are listening, mm-hmm. and you're wrestling with something, you know, kind of check off those those areas. Patty, can you think of anything else, or did he cover? He covered it well. I think he did too. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Well, I think sometimes people. Uh, think that, you know, they've got to have a burning bush kind of an experience, you know, like Moses or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're setting in two feet of stomach gases in the belly of a whale like Jonah, you know, or, you know, you basically have a blinding flash, you know, from, from heaven, you know, that brings you to your knees. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're seeking some kind of an experience, you know, like that, I'm not going to say that God is going to choose to work in that particular way uh, in, in your life. Uh, it, it's just one uh, of just honestly being being open, mm-hmm. uh, kind of writing a blank check and just saying it's it's there. I'm yeah. available, Lord. If you are calling me, then I'll be obedient to what mm-hmm. you have to, to to say to me. Mm, that's good. I think about different personalities. You know, I've got a, a a wife and a son who are processors, and they think through something, and if they decide to do it, they're going to do it. And so I kind of think through that process for people that are kind of created that way, you know, where they can kind of touch those things that will give them the confidence to move forward. Then you have other people that are a little bit more like myself, where I may speak or do before I think or I pray, but it causes you to slow down and say, before, Alan, you think that this is a great idea in your mind, has God spoken to you through his word? Uh, have other people affirm this in your life? So these three ingredients that you talk about are good for everybody to either give you the courage or to cause you to pause for a moment uh, to say, is this my idea or is this God's idea? And uh, so I, that's great. Uh, it's really all about obe- obedience, you know, and I'd say I, I think when we went to Cambodia, we felt like, oh, we're going to be here. We're going to be like some of those missionaries of old and we're going to stay 40 years in one place. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, we were very surprised, you know, mm-hmm. that God would be speaking to us about redirecting us in ministry, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like six years later and then 14 years later. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think as obedient, you know, disciples mm-hmm. of Christ, you know, 
we have to just be postured to, to listen, to yeah. hear from him. And, and if God is closing one door and he's opening another, you, you have to just be obedient and follow him in, the, mm. in that direction. Yeah, you have to. You have to. That's good. Um, what advice? You, um, you, you have a younger couple or even a middle-aged couple, and, and they're, uh, they've been serving in church, and they've been actively involved in what God's doing here locally, but maybe they're wrestling with this calling, and they're like, boy, uh, man, I'm hearing what uh, Steve and Patty are saying, and, and these things are seeming to line up. What kind of advice would you give them? Uh, you guys are very familiar with the IMB, and so you can speak on behalf of what that experience is like, but what kind of steps can they make if they are wanting to make some steps? What kind of experiences do they need, and and what might it look like for an individual to explore that area? I think first, make sure you're grounded in God's Word. Yeah. Yeah. When you get to the mission field, you will need to be able to feed yourself. There mm. will not be a church in English. Yeah. I mean, there might be. You might be blessed right. with that. But for the most part, you're going to need to feed yourself. And yeah. so to me, that's huge. Memorize mm-hmm. God's Word. Yeah. Base your whole life upon that. Yeah, That's um, really good. Seek wise counsel and find a great mentor. Mm. For me, I never had a physical mentor in my city as I was on the mission field, but I did have mentors like Elizabeth Elliott's and Amy mm. Carmichael's and yeah. Isabel Kuhn's. So find that mentor, whether it's a physical person or it's a book that you can learn from their experiences mm. and they can walk you through that. Mm. So those are, are two things that I think benefited me. Mm. That's good. That's good. Well, one, I would encourage anyone that's considering uh to serve, whether short or longer term, uh, go on a mission trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that was life-changing for me. That was the very thing that God mm-hmm. used uh, to help me to really to discern that this is the, 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 the call that he had placed upon my life mm-hmm. to serve as a missionary long term. And so uh, just make yourself available to do that. But I think, too, what I'd encourage people to do today is they're going to make themselves available to ministries where they can actually labor cross-culturally, yeah. even in their home mm-hmm. context. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, with 72 unreached people groups here in Northwest Arkansas area, there are many outlets for people to work among other nations mm-hmm. and other peoples. So find ministry outlets where they can plug in. Mm-hmm. I would say... Um, learn another language. Yeah, I don't think that's should be as much mm-hmm. a challenge... Uh, maybe as it once, you know, was mm-hmm. uh, even 10, 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just think about the the massive numbers that have come here from, uh, you know, Latin or Central America, South America, that kind of thing. I mean, Spanish mm-hmm. would be a very good language to learn, but obviously mm-hmm. there are other, you know, people groups that are in, in this area. And I can't t- begin to tell you how language would make the difference in you being able to share the gospel uh, really establish a kind of deep connection that mm-hmm. will enable you to have, I think, deeper level spiritual conversations that could lead to them, you know, in, in, in embracing faith. Mm. So those are just little tangible things that, that, that you can do. I, I mean, be actively, you know, really involved through your local church, because yeah. here is where obviously, mm-hmm. much like Patty said, you're, you're going to be solidly grounded, you know, in God's word, in God's mm-hmm. teaching. I mean, 
try to, to really learn what, what, what's involved in the missionary task. What does it mean to be a missionary church? You know, what does that look like in terms of just healthy characteristics that we need to exhibit as a church for us to really be involved in doing that? So I think all of those different things will really help to uh, provide the kind of uh, knowledge and skills and abilities that will give you the necessary qualifications to go as as missionaries uh, from the U.S. to, to mm, the field. Yeah, and then beyond that, uh, you know, give you a call and, and come by the church and have coffee and talk about it. I mean, if there's something really there, then you'll know yes, how to connect them with agencies for college students. You know, there's all kinds of semester missions, my wife and I, right out of college, we waited to be married for a year, and then we went overseas through the International Service Corps or the Journeyman Program for those who are single. There's a lot of great uh, short-term projects that would be a semester or a couple of years uh, that really help you to explore that as well. For sure. And I would say if you are, are, are thinking that that God may be doing something or speaking mm-hmm. to you in this way. Or I would just say, if you are open to consider the possibility that God could send you, yeah. we have a couple of breakout sessions during our GIC mm. where we'll have IMB representatives here from the student mobilization area, but oh. also from, you know, our candidate uh, consultant, you know, for the mm. IMB that will help people to process towards longer term, you know, mission uh, you know, experiences and all. So those different breakouts will give you all the the, 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 the different pathways that might enable you to serve. If it's just for a semester, you know, mm-hmm. if you're a college student or if it's a two month summer term, or if it's a one year mm-hmm. or two year appointment, or if you're open to go for two or more years, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think about it yeah. and the scheme of things that if God blesses you with a very long life, you know, what's mm-hmm two years, three years, right. five years, yep. out of the course of 80 years right. that you could give to uh, the, 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 this work. Because yeah. I know it, it will change you it in will. the way that you pray and the way mm-hmm. that you give and the way that you will support missions through your local church. Absolutely. I can say that for myself, mm-hmm. for my wife and I serving in South Korea right out of college. It changed the way that even we do ministry here in the United States, Mm -hmm. you know, there we learned a new language, uh, eating new foods and how to take the gospel message and put it in the context of that culture. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the United States, uh, my first ministry experience in seminary was as a as a student pastor in a church. And I realized we don't know how to engage our community. Um, you know, we, we know how to share the gospel, but we didn't know how to build relationships. And I'm like, boy, some of the fundamentals that you learn when you go overseas, mm-hmm. those are the same tools that we as churches need to learn. You know, what, when we moved to Colorado, there's a different culture in Colorado than there is in Northwest Arkansas. So it's learning the values and the culture there and the makeup of our city and learning how to engage mm-hmm. them in that way. And we can do the same thing right here. Um, something that I don't want to overlook that you said, I just want to highlight. You said that there were how many unreached people groups living here? 72. 72. Unreached people groups means people, populations that are typically around the world that have not had an adequate, very little to no mm-hmm. gospel presentation in that uh, people group within a nation. Within a nation, there may be 
dozens or hundreds of unreached people groups, right? Mm-hmm. And so here in our own community, we have 72 unreached people groups that are represented right here. It's a vast mosaic mm. of different unreached peoples that are living in our communities, in our neighborhood. Uh, that is not something that's going to change. If anything, right. it is going to grow. To grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so basically having the skills to be able to contextualize the gospel to somebody who is a, a Buddhist background person mm-hmm. or a Hindu background or an Islamic background person. I mean, how would you craft or yeah. bridge an understanding of the gospel that would make sense to them while trying to avoid barriers that might shut yeah. them off to the gospel? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are things that would be helpful for us yeah. as a church to learn. And I think, too, we almost have to kind of approach work in our neighborhoods much the same way that a missionary would approach their work on the mission field. Yeah. I mean, how do we dissect? How do we really exegete our communities yeah. so that we know how we can actually use our homes and extend right. hospitality yeah. cross-culturally right. in ways that will befriend our neighbors yeah. and really kind of desensitize and kind of soften hearts so that yeah. they're receptive to not mm. only our gospel influence, but also our gospel communication. Mm. Mm. I'm excited. Mm. Very excited. Okay. Well, before we go, um, our global impact celebration is two weeks away. And so I thought it would be great just to end with, uh, what is your hopes and prayer for this five day uh, event as you get a week or two past it and you're looking back, what do you hope to have seen and heard, uh, regarding the fruit coming out of, of this event? Well, it is my heartfelt prayer to God that uh, many will leave with just an increased missional awareness of what God is doing around the world through not only our IMB missionaries, but uh, through many of our you know key ministry partners that are laboring through a lot of independent organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we want them to be able to take you know that next step of obedience, yeah. you know whatever that may be. So mm-hmm. that may be you know, committing more time to pray, you know, for unreached people groups or for missionaries or for projects around the world, or maybe it's increasing their, their giving, you know, to support our global mission fund that helps to, you know, underwrite and and provide, you know, support for all of our ministries locally, nationally, Mm -hmm. and globally, or it could be, we're going to go on our first overseas trip. You know, if you've never gone before, I would encourage you, you know, we've Mm -hmm. got a lot of exciting uh, trips that have been planned all the way through August of 2023. Mm-hmm. And so look at the listing. Maybe God will speak to your heart about one of those and, and go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, it is my prayer that God is going to call many people out of our church to go yeah. longer term to serve on yeah. the mission field. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're here today because we're obedient to God. Yeah. But at the same time, our heart is still very focused on the nations. And yeah. I pray that God's going to call many people out of our church to go and to serve. I agree. Uh, you know, we've been here for three years. And one of the things that really stood out to us about First Baptist Rogers uh, and our kids were, um, my daughter in, was in college at the time. She's now out of college. My son was in high school and just impressed with the discipleship ministry here at this mm-hmm. church. And our young people, the people that grow up in this church, are getting a really strong foundation in God's Word, as you mm-hmm. were speaking of, and uh, and even having opportunities to do have mission experiences, going on mission trips. And just thinking, man, you know, we could really have an opportunity of, of highlighting some opportunities that may 
allow some of these young people to take these tools and uh, this foundation that they've been given and go out and, uh, and, and make an impact in this world. Uh, we got to lead a mission trip this last summer with college and young adults. Half of the team, it was their first time to go on a mission wow. trip. And I was excited and I was mm-hmm. nervous. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, we've got such a, a young team when it comes to just the experience of going and doing this. And it was incredible. It was mm-hmm. a powerful week mm-hmm. for, for them as they were engaging and serving and the fruit that they saw. For me, my focus was on that team and just knowing that they came away more confident and having that experience for some of them, it was the first time for them to share their faith or it was the first time for them to have someone respond with a yes. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, and so it was just so much fun. And, and that's my hope and prayer with you that we have more and more people that will step out young and old all alike. Right. Um, for those of you that are listening and uh, you've never experienced a global impact celebration, we're about to bring, you know, I think it's about 30 missionary uh, family units uh, onto our campus from all over the world uh, to be able to share with us about the work that they're doing, for us to have an opportunity to learn, to be inspired, to ask questions, and uh, and just to see what God is doing around the world. And, I, and, and through that, our desire is that you'll be inspired by that. If you want to go to our website, fbcrogers.org, you'll see on the very front of our website, uh, you'll see information about uh, the Global Impact Celebration. If you want to go directly to it, it's our website forward slash GIC. There's a schedule there of uh, the entire five days. It will begin on a Wednesday, Wednesday, October the 20th, right? And so that's when it's going to be kicked off. And that's when uh, Dr. Paul Chitwood is going to be coming and speaking that night and kicking off the event. I think it's so neat that we have the president of the International Mission Board coming to our church and, uh, and being able to encourage and challenge us as a church to reach the nations. And so he'll be kicking off the event. A lot of fun stuff. Too much that we can't even cover it for you right now. But uh, I do want to mention that some of the workshop, the breakout groups that we are going to be offering is going to be on Saturday of that five-day event. Uh, If you are wrestling with a calling and emissions or you just would like to hear more about it or you'd like to experience a little bit more, learn a little bit more about what we're doing as a church. There's a list of those breakout groups for that Saturday. And so prayerfully look over which one you might want to choose. Hopefully we're going to, if we haven't already thought of it, we need to record these things because you can't go to all of them, right? You can only choose one out of however many. So uh, that's something we might want to look into that we can offer that as well. But hope you guys will uh, be a part of what we're doing with the GIC. Uh, Thank you too for joining us today and sharing with us your story and a little bit of your insight into ministry and missions. And thank you all for joining us as well. If if you've enjoyed uh, what you've heard today, please again, like, subscribe, uh, share this content. If you know someone that's wrestling with this as well, um, then share that with them. And we would love to introduce them to uh, our missions ministry and to this incredible couple here as well. And so thank you guys again for joining us this next week. You're going to hear from a young couple with kids that has really put short-term missions in the center of their life. And so we're going to talk to them about what that is like and and what how that's impacted uh, their family as well. So join us again next week. Take care.